Thank you, Michael. It's great to be with you for this start of a new series. And I want us to start just by thinking about tomorrow morning. It's the middle of the morning. You're doing whatever you do on a Monday morning. All of us loving Monday mornings. There was a a great book a few years ago called Thank God It's Monday. And um, so it's the middle of the morning, you're catching up, you're chatting with a friend, you're having coffee, you're meeting up if you're still at work with a a work colleague, possibly virtually, um, and and they ask you about your weekend. Maybe they even say, oh, and what did you do uh, Sunday morning? And you start talking about church, about this this service. And maybe they start wondering about why you go to church. Maybe they think you're a bit religious, whatever that means. Maybe they think it's because of the friends that you meet here or because of the support we give each other and the feeling of community. Well, whilst that's all true, their theories miss out completely on what the New Testament suggests that church is all about. Our reading today that Michael's just read, I love, I love the letter from Peter, um, all his, both of his letters. And um, I, it's, it is a letter. It's a letter to people he knew. It's a letter to those Christian communities dotted around uh, ancient Turkey. And he loves those communities and he wants them to understand what it means to be church. And he does this by helping them see themselves as part of the Old Testament people of God, a continuation of the Old Testament people of God, as we are. And he uses two key words and one stunning truth that we're going to explore. First of all, he says they are God's elect. Well, church, do you feel like God's elect today? His chosen people. That's why we're a continuation of his chosen people. Right from Genesis 12 onwards, um, for Abraham and his descendants, God created his people so that they would be blessed and would be a blessing to the world around. Not not all of those early Christians in, in Turkey would have been Jewish by birth. Yet Peter draws them into the ongoing story of God's intention for the world by using that language of calling. And that applies to us as well. We are the elect. Through nothing we've done, but through his choosing of us and lifting us up and making us his own. So whatever our own story is, wherever we are on the journey to faith in Jesus, when we surrendered to his lordship, we became part of his called people. So this diagram here, uh, I want to, it's going to stay up for the whole of my talk. And the uh, red dots on the left-hand side and the right-hand side, but stay on the left-hand side if you would for a moment. This is uh, statistically in the UK, about 6% of the population are Uh, Christians. It's quite a small number. And um, that's what's represented over on the left-hand side. 
And so when we gather as worshippers, we remind ourselves that we believe a very particular story about the world. We believe this world is God's. He created it. We believe it's broken because of sin. We believe, and all of this we're going to say in the creed in a moment, we believe that Jesus' death makes life possible. We believe that one day everything will be transformed. We live as people with a distinct story within a culture that may not believe anything that we believe. We are the red dots and the rest of the country are the grey dots. When we gather here in this place, we do so to strengthen each other, to encourage each other, to be who we are, God's chosen people here in this place. The second word that Peter uses is that we are exiles. He uses this and to the Jewish mind, this would recall the great disaster of the Old Testament when Israel lost their land and they were exiled to Babylon. At first, they would have hoped for a quick return to Jerusalem. But in fact, several generations of Israelites lived in this foreign land, a foreign land that was truly very foreign to them. And they tried to maintain a culture, their culture of following God, and to be a blessing to the people who were there. And I think that's a great picture for us today. Today, we are also scattered for most of the time. The right-hand side of the picture is probably uh, Monday to Saturday. We are scattered into the world amongst other people, people of no faith and people of other faiths. So think about it. As we go scattered, Wherever we go, and that could be in our homes, with our families, with our friends. It could be as we go to the parade and buy a loaf of bread and talk with somebody as we do that, bump into somebody on the parade. It could be in the workplace. It could be in school. Anybody at school still? <laughs> um, it could be anywhere, wherever we are, because life doesn't stop between Sunday evening and Sunday morning. There's a whole life out there that we're called to be scattered into. And notice when we are scattered, those red dots are all surrounded by white dots. Those we are in amongst people to show God's love, to live as God intended us to live, to care for people, to come alongside people. And those are not, they're not heavy things we need to do. They are just, we just need to live and be with other people and have relationships and grow in trust and care of those people that we're placed with in those days. For me, I work in a technology company and although there are a handful of um, us Christians um, who uh, meet once a week to pray, the vast majority of my time I spend with colleagues of different faiths, uh, Muslim and Hindu, and of no faith. These are places where we need to shine. So it's important that we don't go to sleep Monday to Friday, that we don't lose our distinctiveness and become the same as the surrounding culture. God has a plan 
And that plan is to place us in these scattered contexts. And we all have them. Nobody in this room should think that they don't have a front line. You don't stop existing tonight at 12 o'clock, do you? We live every day and we talk with people. We have emails, we have phone calls. You bump into people in the street. We all have these front lines. And that's the word I'm introducing to you today, front line. Um, for many, it might remind you of, a, of a, a battlefield situation. And that is partially, you know, it is absolutely deliberate that we're using the word front line. I love that analogy of, if you think of a battle situation, the people on the front line are, um, are, are doing the work. They're doing the connection with the other army. And everybody else is supporting them on the front line. Men and women, fellow brothers and sisters, you are on your front line and we as church want to encourage you. As we gather, we encourage. As we scatter, we go out into the world. So front lines are everyday places where we live, work, study, play, where we're likely to connect with people who aren't Christians. And my hope is this series, we can really relate to this from the youngest child to the most wonderful oldest retiree. We are all scattered people of God and we all have front lines. So to Peter's stunning truth, Peter concludes this opening, just two verses, with this opening greeting with a reminder of the wondrous work of the Trinity in their lives and our lives a stunning, stunning truth about us going out and being equipped to go out. Firstly, Peter reminds us that our situation, all of our situations, are known by God, by his foreknowledge. And secondly, we're set apart by the Holy Spirit, his sanctifying work in our hearts. We do not go alone. We go with him, walking every step of the way. And we can be confident in our relationship with God. That lovely term Peter uses, the sprinkling of Christ's blood, is a sign of being in covenant with God. We can be confident because the God of the universe blesses us and has planned our Monday to Friday, where we go in his name. And all that is in the context of being obedient to Jesus aligning ourselves with Christ and his purpose for the world. Peter rejoices with his readers in all that God has done for us. And he reminds them and us that we live out the implications of the gospel in our scattered places. We are the elect, we are exiles, and we go in his name. Now this series that we start today and that will last five weeks, we'll go on to explore the implications of this for us all, wherever we are, whatever we do, and whoever we are. It finishes by looking at what it means to be a disciple-making community together for the sake of the world. We are the red dots when we gather to scatter, we, get, we gather to strengthen one another as a distinct people, and we are the red dots when we're scattered to many different places, into many different people's lives. 
We are people who can make all the difference in the world, not through our own strength, but through God's. There is a beauty in this cadence, a beauty in gathering and scattering, gathering and scattering, as we're encouraged on Sunday and then sent out into the world and then come back to encourage and then sent out again. As we gather, maybe if you like, think about it as we recharge our batteries through prayer, worship, fellowship, and then scatter to wherever God has us to love those that God places under uh, places with us through care, through just being ourselves, through relationships, as we live as changed people, witnessing to the world what that change means in our, in our lives and our hearts. So what I want you to think about this morning, friends, is what is your front line? Where are you most in the week, Monday to Saturday? It might be at the gym, it might be in the woods walking the dog, it might be caring for children or grandchildren, or in your workplace, or school, or college. Well, at the end of the service, I've got something really tangible for you to do. If you turn around, you'll see at the back, there's a, a, a big board with two maps on it. And what I'd like you to do is, at the end of the service, to just gather around there and take a red dot and place a red dot on one of those maps. One is a zoomed up close-up of Claygate, because I think many of you may be in Claygate. As I am, I work from home. And then there's a wider map of London if you uh, travel to work or travel to care for somebody or whatever your front line is outside of the Claygate Parish. So I'll be there to help. Um, do take that opportunity to do that physical placing of where your front line is. So I want to finish with a story about a woman called Jane who worked at Greg's. Some of you may be familiar with Greg's. It's a fine emporium, a bakery of um, superb, very well-priced sausage rolls. That's my personal taste there. Well, Jane had been working at Greg's for many years and a friend invited her to church. And one thing led to another and she ended up on an alpha course. Through the grace of God, she became a Christian on that Saturday away day towards the end of the course. She was a little bit daunted when two days later she went back into work on Monday. But slowly over the week, she realised that her work meant so much more now that she knew God's love. She realised that the people that she saw, people that Greg's would think is a customer, but the people, the people that God loves, the people she saw every day, a right hodgepodge, a right mixture of men and women popping out for something to eat from work, school children buying sandwiches, or the homeless getting something hot. She realised with joy that these are the people that God has trusted into her hands to be a smiling face, to show his love in how she now genuinely asked, how are you doing today? So where is your frontline, friends? Where is God calling you to participate in his mission to show his amazing love to a world that so needs it? Amen.